I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including yours. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. And we like to tell great business stories and great entrepreneurship stories because it's the heart of the American dream. Bob Huff was born just outside of Dayton, Ohio, in the blue-collar factory town of Moraine City. Bob's early life was anything but easy. But as you'll hear, that clearly didn't stop him. Here's Bob to tell his own story. I remember we had a three-room house. There was a kitchen, a living room, and a bedroom, and sort of a potbelly stove in the middle of the three rooms. The street had no plumbing. We didn't have any sewage. So as time went on, my mother and my father moved to another home, 
And at that time, there were serious issues between them, namely alcoholism on my father's part. And I didn't realize that as a child. I don't think you, you remember. So my mother and father got a divorce. So my mother became a sole income source for the family. She worked very diligently. She worked in a factory. My mother lost her job at the factory because the factory went out of business. And then it became a, a situation where she worked very diligently at whatever job she could get, but she just worked. So my brother and I were sort of left to care for ourselves. So it was a great learning experience for me to sort of grow up with a single parent and with a parent who did everything she could to make life as normal as possible. And as I became a teenager, the reality set in that it's time for me to get a job. My mother just told me, so well, you know, you're gonna have to earn your own spending money, Bob, because I can't afford to buy all the clothes you want and the expenses that you have. So you're going to get a job. So it wasn't anything earth shattering, it's just what you do. I saw that she worked. And so I thought, well, it would be fun to work. I did not take college prep in high school. I just took regular courses. Um, I wasn't uh, the best student in the class, or the brightest probably, and I really didn't have any idea what I was gonna do with my life, but I knew that I wanted a life different than what I had lived over the past few years, and the loneliness you have in taking care of yourself as a, a teenager. So on my birthday, uh, when I turned 19, having experienced one semester at Wright State University, I got my draft notice for the Vietnam War. So I thought, well, I don't know if I want to be drafted or if I should just join where I could select my own career path in the military. So what I had decided was that it would be better for me to join the military for four years and choose the vocation which would best suit my personality and what I wanted to do in the future. So I chose Army Intelligence. I was an intelligence non-commissioned officer. I did get to travel to Japan for two years and enjoyed the beautiful beaches in Okinawa. Then I was transferred to Washington, D.C. and I was a young uh, single person and I enjoyed the nightlife in Georgetown more than anything. All of a sudden, I realized I've got uh, about 12 months left and I think, oh, this is great because I'm not gonna have to worry about another transfer. I really like where I am. However, the Army had a, a different idea. I'd received orders from my commanding officer to go to Turkey. And it was a, a another living experience, shall we say, because it was very isolated. We monitored uh, the Russian information from that area. And it was a good year. I, I got to take some college courses. University of Virginia professor, visiting professor who would come and give classes, realizing that when I got out of the military, I'd want to go back to college. So it was a great year for me. I enjoyed the culture and the people of Turkey. And uh, then I came back to Columbus. My mother had remarried and she had a home in Columbus. So I went there initially, signed up for Ohio State University. I was fortunate to get in there. I remember I never thought that I would go to college because I had not taken college prep. But I remember Mrs. Drury, uh, my English teacher in high school, and she said, Bob, 
all schools at that time, and especially Ohio schools, if you applied, they would they would uh, accept you, at least for one semester. And so that's what happened at Ohio State. I was accepted and uh, I began my college career. And it was an interesting starting period. I knew I couldn't live with my mother, so I got a one-room roaming house um, that I lived in and uh, met my wife post-football game with Ohio State and Michigan. And um, we really struck it off immediately. I mean, uh, we were at this party. Neither one of us wanted to go to the particular house the party was, but it was free. And uh, I like to tell the story, we met by a fish tank. What she didn't know is that during this period that I was at Ohio State, I participated in Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, I said to her, I, she started talking to me and I was talking to her and I said, you know, if I'm a little weird just sitting here or standing here, look at this fish tank. I said, I'm just deep in thought. I said, I just became a Christian. I want to tell you uh, right up front that um, if you have a problem with that, you know, that's, that's fine. But I've chosen this life. And she said to me, she said, oh, Bob, I wanted to let you know that I'm a Christian as well. So we sort of fell in love with each other at that very moment, I think. And you're listening to Bob Huff tell his story. Growing up in a three-room house with a potbelly stove in the middle of it, a divorce that had to rock his world. But, you know, he saw it as a learning opportunity and a growing opportunity, a great learning experience, he called it, being raised by a single mom who had to just work her tail off to provide. As he put it, it was nothing earth-shattering. The idea that he'd have to pay his own way for things, even as a teenager. When we come back, more of Bob Huff's story, an Ohio-born, American-made story, here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell, and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time... 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Our American Stories and with Bob Huff's story. We just covered how he was raised by a single mom that taught him the value of a hard day's work. Not wanting to be drafted into the Vietnam War, Bob enlisted so he could choose a career path for himself. Now back in Ohio, Bob was attending Ohio State University, and at an Ohio State-Michigan football post-game party, he just met Lynn, and as he said, they fell in love in a moment. Back to Bob. 
we got married uh, within about six months after we had met. And Lynn was a nurse, a registered nurse at University Hospital. And I was sort of a full-time student working part-time at various jobs. I, after getting out of the Army, I decided that I would join the Ohio Air National Guard in a medical evacuation unit because if I did that, I would be able to earn more money with the flight pay I would get for doing missions during the week. So that brought in about $40 per month uh, extra income for us. was probably put on academic probation, I think two times during that period. After two years, I had to decide whether I wanted to stay at Ohio State, uh, which required a foreign language. And I thought, I could never learn a foreign language. It's gonna be impossible for me to do that. So I transferred to Capital University in Columbus. And now, you know, we had been married 18 months and we had a, a child on the way. So our life was going to dramatically change. I graduated from there and I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But uh, my wife suggested, well, why don't you go into hospital administration? And so she was able to arrange to interview for a position at Ohio State in administration. So I worked there for a couple of years, two years. It was a lot of fun. We were like the administrators after hours in charge of the hospital. Everything imaginable can happen in the emergency room in the middle of the night or two o'clock in the morning when the power goes off and uh, the surgery is going on. You gotta scramble for flashlights and that type of thing. So it was a, a great experience for me. However, I knew that without my master's in hospital administration, my career would be limited. And when I graduated, I was 27 years old, so I'm really getting into my 20s now, and it's time that I get a good job and move forward. But now I have three children instead of one child, so I thought during that period, well, why don't I become a long-term care administrator, nursing administrator? Found out what was needed in order to become a licensed administrator. It was a very exciting period, and I was introduced to um, Ohio Presbyterian Homes. Now, Ohio Presbyterian Homes was a very large nonprofit organization, and they had retirement communities throughout the state of Ohio. So I met with Mr. Uly, who was the president of the company, and uh, so he offered me a position as executive director of a very large retirement community in Youngstown, Ohio. So uh, my wife and I moved to Youngstown and uh, worked in that job. I loved it. It was, it was a great challenge. I had uh, the previous, one of the things Mr. Uly told me was that the previous administrator was still there, but she wasn't producing very well. And um, it was a very uh, political situation in the local community. So at any rate, uh, every hour that I would work, she would work an hour later. And I thought, this has really got to change. So I decided that I would work longer than her. She was single, I was married, three kids. And so if she worked 12 hours, I'd work 13. And uh, so this went on for quite a while, about six or eight months. And I finally told Mr. Uly, I said, Mr. Uly, I said, something's got to change here because I have a family and I can't work seven days a week, um, although I don't mind it. And uh, I plan to uh, explain to her that she is not going to be able to work these hours. And I thought, you know, she's going to be working nine to five, Monday through Friday. 
She finally resigned and then it was sort of smooth sailing there. And I was able to turn the facility around, fill all the units, which it had not been filled before. And then I thought, oh, I really don't care living in this city. Uh, Youngstown, Ohio did not appeal to me. So I interviewed for a position in Cincinnati, Ohio. Worked there for a few years. And during that period, I thought, oh boy, you know, I really have the desire to be in business for myself. So I thought, well, I need to change jobs again. This is the third job that I've had after graduation. And I was about 31 at this time. So I had some years behind me of experience. So uh, I uh, moved to a proprietary organization. However, the burning desire of business for myself did not cease, it just increased. Well, the company I worked for wanted to expand their business. So um, I located a realtor and he and I started looking at various nursing homes for sale, if they were potential acquisitions for this large company I worked with. However, they weren't. And so after about going through maybe 10 facilities, the realtor said, Bob, why don't you just buy a place yourself? And my response was, I would love to do that. That's my goal, but I have no money. And he says, you don't need any money. Let me show you what to do. So that was the beginning of my relationship with George. George was a wonderful guy, very patient. Fortunately, George knew how to put an organization together. So Lynn and I looked at a facility. It was a small 35-bed nursing home in Dayton, Ohio. They only had about 16 residents when we were able to negotiate a contract. Mrs. Schultz, who was the owner of the nursing home, was very particular about who would take over her lifelong uh, work. Uh, but she wanted $1,000 down. And I thought, $1,000? How would I ever come up $1,000? Well, fortunately, the Lord does provide. Um, maybe not at the interest rate we want. It was in 1980, and the interest rates were like 18, 19%. So I got a uh, card through the mail from a loan company to borrow that I qualified for $2,500. And I thought, wow, 25, I wonder if this is true. So I sent the card back in and I was contacted and they said, yes, we'll loan you $2,500. I said, great, because now I've got my $1,000. This all occurred within about a month for Mrs. Schultz. And so we bought the facility. Uh, Lynn and I quit our jobs, our great jobs that we had in Cincinnati. Um, she was a director of nursing of facility and did some home health care and did a variety of different uh, things. So we took over the operation of our first facility. There was another home in Wilmington, Ohio, that was an 18-bed facility, very small. Um, the owners uh, were going out of business, and I went over and negotiated a deal of $70,000. And fortunately, during that time, Lynn were, and I were successful. We paid cash for that nursing home. And um, so I would go over, I was the administrator, uh, Lynn was the DON at two facilities now. And so I did all the painting, wallpapering, finishing, carpentry, flooring. You know, we, we actually had it going very well. And uh, then I had a company that came in and wanted to buy it. And I thought, oh, my, I don't know, you know. But they wanted to pay me $350,000. And during this period, I'd also gotten a call from George. 
George had a nursing home, it was a 140 bed facility in Caddis, Ohio, in Eastern Ohio. And he asked if I would like to buy that facility. And again, I said, George, I don't have too much money. You know, I have more than what I had before. And he said, well, Bob, if you just come and look at it. So I went to Caddis, Ohio. It was an older facility. However, it had one floor that had 60 beds on it. It's a 140-bed facility. So now we're getting up to a much larger nursing home. Uh, the census at that facility out of 140 was about 40 patients because it wasn't very well operated and looked terrible and uh, the management was terrible as well. And you're listening to Bob Huff and you're listening to how American entrepreneurs do what they do, which is add value. After a lot of experience, feeling that burning desire to go out on your own and take a risk. And as he said, when he got the loan, he longed for. The Lord does provide. And then that pause, maybe not at the interest rate I'd like. When we come back, more of Bob Huff's story, the story of entrepreneurs across this great country here on Our American Stories. Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we return to Our American Stories and the final chapter of Bob Huff's story. When we last left off, Bob and his wife, Lynn, who was a registered nurse, had begun buying and refurbishing less-than-thriving nursing homes with their business partner, a real estate agent named George. Let's pick up where Bob last left off. I went into the facility and it was very rough uh, during those periods of time because there was actual patient neglect going on, patient abuse going on. Our philosophy is that we take care of patients the way we would want our own mothers and fathers to be taken care of. And that's been a a philosophy we've had uh, throughout our lives. We did have a couple riots there. I came in one day and I had a director of nursing there and I said, you know, things have got to change here and um, you must make rounds. I do rounds myself three times a day to make sure the patients are getting the care that they want. Uh, she came in a few days at that hour, but uh, within a couple of weeks, uh, I noticed that the quality of care was not improving and I had a family that came down on Monday morning and they were complaining, rightfully so. Their father had not been shaved. I said, let's go up and see. And they were right. This was about seven o'clock in the morning. So I said, you know, I had that situation taken care of immediately. And I went downstairs and got a box um, out of the dumpster. And I went to the DON's office and I started packing her up. So she came in around nine or 10 o'clock in the morning and uh, was curious why I was in her office. I said, well, I'm packing your things up. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, you, you're fired. I said, do you remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago about coming in early, making rounds? I said, did you come in early today? Well, I had things to do. I said, me too. Taking care of patients was number one. And so um, I said, you're, you're being fired. 
And so I terminated her immediately, not knowing what I was going to do. However, my wife is an RN, and I uh, called my wife, and uh, we got uh, my mother and my mother-in-law were able to care for our children for a few days, and uh, Lynn became the new director of nursing um, at the building, uh, the third building that we own. So she came up and uh, we sort of tag team for the next few weeks, getting things under better control, giving better guidance direction to the staff, letting them know what our concerns were and what would happen if they did not uh, follow our uh, directions. So uh, one day I got a call from Lynn. I was back home with the other facilities, and she said, Bob, they're rioting. The staff had riot was rioting. I said, oh my goodness. And she said, they wrote profanity, sprayed profanity inside the building. They're outside. And I said, okay, I'll be there immediately. So, but in the meantime, we had an a, a LPN that worked for us who was an excellent employee. And it just so happened that her husband was the sheriff of the county and the city. So um, he came in to the uh, staff. He told him that if they didn't leave immediately, they were going to be arrested. This is private property. And so uh, they left. So we were left to begin, you know, the uh, process of doing things our way, the family way. And uh, the LPN came to us and said, thank God you're here to care for our community. And so we uh, were able to turn that around within a, uh, about six months. We were, Lynn would work one week and I would work the next, and one of us were always there. Well, during the time that uh, I was also uh, working in the kitchen because uh, we had let the director of dietary services go, and I thought, I've got dinner to make. So a dinner, and not only to make the dinner, but also to wash the dishes. So um, I was washing dishes about 6.30 at night after dinner, and here comes George. And George uh, said, hey, Bob, how you doing? I was worn out. I was very tired. And I thought, oh, George, I can't believe you're here. He said, well, I've got another place for you. It's in Steubenville down the road. And he said, this place is a 120-bed facility. It's located next to the hospital. And it's actually, a, a, it has good bones and it's a good structure, but it's managed very poorly. The owners want to sell. And can I take you over there to see it? I said, oh, George. Uh, so within the next couple of days, George and I went to look at the facility. And again, it was a situation where the census was around 60 out of a 120 bed facility. So we were able to buy the, negotiate a contract, buy the facility, and uh, it was in terrible condition. There were no patients on one complete floor. When I was walking around the facility, you know, deciding where I should start first with renovations, there was a lady on the third floor, and the floor was empty. She was in an office, and she said, hi. And I said, hi. And I said, well, who are you? She said, well, I'm your home health care nurse. I said, you mean I have a home health care company? And Linda said, yes, you do. And I'm the director of that. This is my office up here on the third floor. I said, well, Linda, I said, we're going to have to move you down to the lower level. I restored a locker room 
that I didn't think we needed. And uh, she continued on, and I said, well, just do what you have to do and keep me posted. So uh, as I was the administrator there, and she was, um, you know, our uh, home health care company, um, I did what I had to do. Linda kept growing the company, so I gave her some more uh, space in a uh, storage room that we had located for her. And uh, over the next several months, we were able to do the renovations and make our contacts. We knew how to market our facility at that time, and it was a lot of it was just meeting people, going there, talking and convincing the hospitals and the social workers that we are for real, that we do care about patient care, and uh, we're gonna do what we say we're going to do. And uh, during that period, Linda kept coming back and back and back. I need more space, I need more space. Finally, I bought a trailer, uh, you know, for a temporary office for it, put it on the property. And uh, it was very nice, it was designed as an office building. And, uh, you know, she outgrew that space. I said, well, I'll put a double white in. So I gave her a double white trailer and uh, we started, she wanted to open up some other satellite offices uh, because we were really growing. I mean, we had services at this time or provided services in home health care. So we began growing that business through the hard work of uh, Linda. And uh, I started paying more attention to the business at that time to the nurse or the home health care division. And um, that took off, that, that business just took off like crazy. So fast forward, uh, you know, uh, about 10 years, maybe 15 years, and we get to the point where Len and I have bought uh, several facilities and built several facilities and uh, also increased our home health care division. We started out with six employees and now we had 1,500 employees and it was just a totally different operation. And you've been listening to the story of Bob Huff. He goes into one situation and doesn't just remove the leader of the pack, but finds out that they're a pack of wolves. They weren't doing their jobs. They loved not doing their jobs. And when asked to do their jobs, they, well, took over the place and rioted. And that is something he owned. And the next thing you know, he and his wife were pulling double shifts and they're doing everything. They're cleaning the dishes, they're cooking the food. So if anyone thinks starting a business is a duck walk and you're going to work less, think again. And you own it. It's your money. It's your time. We love telling these stories because they're real. And warts and all, doing business, starting a business, owning it and growing it, no duck walk. The story of Bob Huff, the story of the American dream in many ways, an Ohio-born, American-made dream, here on Our American Stories. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 